Welcome to The Bull and the Bear, a money and markets podcast. We give you the advice you need to know to make investing safe and profitable. With The Bull and the Bear podcast, you'll get exclusive access to some of the top thinkers, analysts, advisors, and gurus in the investment business. And now for your hosts, Matt Clark and Charles Sizemore. Hello, everyone, and uh, welcome to this latest episode of the Bull and the Bear podcast. I'm Bull and the Bear host, Matt Clark, research analyst for Money and Markets. Glad you're with us uh, on uh, this weekend edition. Uh, I've got with me, as you can see, uh, Money and Markets contributor Charles Sizemore and chief investment strategist Adam O'Dell. Today, we're going to talk about three stocks that come from a pretty hot sector in terms of, of, of growth. Sectors made headlines uh, on different occasions, uh, but mostly in April, especially when the coronavirus first came into focus outside of mainland China. And now the sector has become kind of a, a rage uh, as companies are scrambling to find a suitable vaccine for COVID-19. Uh, what we're talking about here is biotech. And, and I, I picked this for two reasons. One, because it is kind of a hot sector to look at. It's uh, the uh, S&P Spider uh, ETF, XBI, uh, exchange-traded fund with biotech stocks has jumped 79% since reaching a low in March of 2020. But I also did it because I know uh, biotech is of interest to uh, Adam O'Dell, our chief investment strategist. He's, uh, in fact, I'll, I'll tell you that the ETF, XBI, holds uh, a stock that uh, he has recommended to his Green Zone Fortunes readers uh, back in May, and that stock is up more than 100%. I'll try to leave you some information on how you can find out more about that uh, in the show notes, but uh, it's a very impressive stock that uh, has done excessively well, if that's even a phrase I can put together uh, uh, you know, that way. So I think you, you definitely want to take interest in that uh, and, and, uh, and find out more about uh, where Adam's thinking was with that. So um, obviously we're going to talk about biotech. I'm going to jump right in and and and, and talk about the first company. Uh, it's a company that's known for it develops treatments for intractable diseases. Uh, it's got a drug now that's on clinical trial for treatment of liver diseases uh, that are uh, associated with certain deficiencies. It's got a three-year annual sales growth rate of 921%. Its annual sales reached $169 million in 2019. Uh, its share price hit a low of $20.56 a share back in March. It's jumped 131% since then. Uh, it has hit a goal. It did hit a golden cross back in August, but it's actually becoming dangerously close to a death cross now if you look at, uh, if you look at the stock chart. Uh, the first company uh, you know, I want to talk about is a company that's known for developing treatments for intractable diseases. It's got a drug now that's in a, a clinical trial for the treatment of, of, of liver diseases that are associated with certain deficiencies. It's got a three-year annual sales growth rate of about 921%. Its annual sales reached $169 million last year. It's got a sale, uh, it, its share price hit a low of about $20.56 back in March. It's jumped 131% since then. It did actually hit a golden cross where the 50-day moving average moved above the 200-day moving average in August, but now it's becoming dangerously close to hitting a death cross where that is inverted, where the 200-day moves above the 50-day. So first I'll throw it to uh, Money Markets contributor Charles Sizemore. And, and, and Charles, I know you take a fundamental approach to looking at, at, various, uh, at various stocks. I kind of want to get your fundamental take on a company like Arrowhead Pharmaceuticals, trades on the NASDAQ under ARWR. You know, it's funny, doing a fundamental analysis of a biotech stock is exceptionally hard because it's, it's you know, how do you do it? Do you take a, you know, a discounted cash flow model of, of expected future uh, cash flows? That's really easy to do. Well, I can't say it's easy to do, but it's, it's easier to do on an established company. But because biotech stocks are so, uh, you know, the outcomes are binary. Either they have a drug that works or they have a drug that doesn't work. And if it works, it could be this massive windfall. And if it doesn't, well, you're out of luck. 
And that makes modeling out you know, future cash flows really hard. You know, really, uh, there's a lot of guesswork involved. And so because of that, I, I tend to view biotech stocks in general as being risky and speculative. If you want to get colloquial, it's like throwing a big plate of spaghetti on the wall and seeing what noodles stick, right? Um, getting back to, to Arrowhead here, I like the fact that they're they're specialized. They tend to uh, they don't have a lot of competition in their particular areas of of expertise, which is good. That gives them some degree of moat. Uh, I, I probably would pass on the stock for now. Um, it's yeah, I, I don't I, you know they've had some positive news come out about about new drug trials and whatnot, and it hasn't really seemed to buoy the price much. So. I, uh, I don't know if that doesn't do it, then I, I don't know what would. So this is one I would probably stay away from for now, uh, maybe revisit it in a few months. All right, now to, now to take kind of a different approach to that, to a more technical uh, look at the stock, I'll turn it over to Chief uh, Investment Strategist Adam O'Dell. And, and Adam, you've had a chance to look at Arrowhead Pharmaceutical and, and look at its data. Uh, I have no doubt that you've run it through your six-factor green zone model. Uh, tell me what your thoughts are on Arrowhead. Sure. Well, first, on a, on a purely technical uh, perspective, Arrowhead is, is a pass for me. Uh, I use a trend and momentum system for my Cycle 9 Alert option trading service, which highlights stocks that have a, a tailwind, you know, especially high probability uh, window of opportunity over a two to three month period. And right now, while Arrowhead stock, uh, ARWR, is in a modest uptrend, uh, which is pretty easy right now, I look at it about a six month uptrend. So if you look at uh, six months back, we're pretty much at the, the late March lows. So almost everything I scan is in an uptrend right now. So that's not very helpful. But uh, despite it being in a modest uptrend, it has market lagging momentum. So if, if you look at its momentum relative to just the S&P 500 of the last uh, three months or so, it has market lagging momentum. So it's really not doesn't have a tailwind right now. Um, so that's my, my technical perspective. Uh, as far as the fundamentals, uh, Charles is exactly right. It's difficult to uh, do fundamental analysis on uh, pharmaceutical companies where they have a binary event, uh, either they're running uh, you know, negative net income for many years and then they may have a blockbuster. So it's, it's more of a, like a lottery ticket type uh, style of investing, which is, is pretty dangerous to do. Um, that said, I mean, you know, if you want to be a more conservative investor, you would uh, only invest in pharmaceutical companies that do have positive earnings that can uh, rank highly on a quality uh, factor score, rank highly on a, on a value factor score. Um, so, you know, and on that note, Arrowhead gets a 45 out of 100 on my six factor model. Uh, its highest ranking is momentum because it had it did have some momentum in late 2019, uh, but it's since come off those highs pretty, pretty sharply. Um, it's a smaller company. It's 4.8 billion, so it's, it's you know just over the the small cap uh, category. It's kind of a mid cap stock, um, but it gets really average ratings, and its lowest its lowest rating is on quality, and that's mainly because it's not a very profitable company. Um, you know, you can kind of give pharmaceutical and biotech startups um, startups a pass if they're you know five, seven, eight years old, and they're uh, still trying to get to profitability. Uh, but Arrowhead's been around since I think '89, somewhere in the eight, late '80s. Uh, so the fact that it's still not profitable right now is kind of a concern for me. So both on a technical and fundamentals uh, as uh, take, I would be a pass on Arrowhead. And I would pass too. And uh, just for the reason you said right there, first and foremost, it's not a profitable company and it hasn't been for quite some time. Um, I, I don't, there's nothing that, that speaks to me, even though they are kind of moated, as Charles said, 
Um, they haven't they haven't used that mode to their advantage in any way as of yet, and I don't see that changing anytime soon. So Arrowhead will be a pass um, for me as well. The second company we'll talk about it's a company that specializes in developing DNA treatments, and, and those treatments are used to cure, protect, uh, and treat people for diseases associated with uh, HPV, uh, human papillomavirus, I believe is how that's pronounced. I could have that wrong. Uh, it also helps with cancer and other infectious diseases. Uh, it's among it's also among one of the many companies working towards a vaccine vaccine towards the coronavirus. Uh, it had a three-year annual sales growth rate of minus 51.2%. It tallied sales of around $4 million in 2019. That was down from $30 million in 2018. The interesting fact about this is if you look at the stock chart, it didn't really drop off in March as many others did. In fact, it climbed 321% that month and went even higher in July, but it's since dropped off about 60% since reaching that July high. The company here is Inovio Pharmaceuticals Incorporated, trades on the NASDAQ under INO. And Charles, uh, I'll, I'll tee this one up for you first. Uh, it, it's, a, it's a company that is, has really struggled in terms of sales. That drop off in sales from 18 to 19 has got to be a concern. Yeah, sure. Uh, this stock, at the end of the day, has become uh, a play on a COVID vaccine. I, that's that's really it. Why did the shares run up like they did earlier this year? Because they were one of the contenders for a COVID vaccine. It's really that simple. This this is a stock that's driven by hope more than anything else. Why well, I suppose all stock movement is based on either hope or fear if you want to get philosophical. But in this case, uh, it really is just a, a vaccine hope. And these guys are not the only players in the vaccine world. Obviously, every pharmaceutical company in the world right now is looking for a cure. And so the question you have to ask yourself is, do I feel confident that this company's vaccine or you know, that they're, they're part of the solution for the vaccine? Do I, do I feel like their solution is better than the next guy's? Is, is it likely to be the one that sticks? I don't have any good way to make that judgment call. I, I don't know, unless I had a ring of spies <laughs> infiltrating their labs, you know, I wouldn't really, and that would be illegal to trade on that information if I did, mind you. But uh, I, I just, I don't have enough information, there's not enough information available for me to really make that judgment call. And given that, what else does the company really have going for it? You take away the possibility of a COVID vaccine and it's a shrinking company that has done very poorly over the last couple of years. So for me, it's a pretty hard pass. And I think when you talk about resting hopes on a coronavirus vaccine, I, you know, I agree with that. And I think the other thing to take into account is that I don't think just one company is going to be developing and putting a vaccine to market. I mean, we've heard a lot about Moderna. We've heard a lot about GlaxoSmithKline. I talked about that in uh, our first Boulder Bear podcast this week. You can, you can find that video on our YouTube channel. Uh, you know, there's going to be, I think, a lot of different companies that, that will come to market or a lot of different partnerships of companies that will come to market with a vaccine uh, that will be marketable. So I, I don't know that you can necessarily say that one will be a winner and, and the rest will just be out of the market share. Um, Adam, uh, your, your thoughts on, on Inovio. This is, this, is a, this, is a very, this is a struggling company, to say the least, it would look like, at least on paper. Yeah, on paper, I mean, they're, they're a typical uh, biotech uh, that's got, you know, they don't, they don't even have the sales growth that Arrowhead has. Uh, they certainly don't have profitability. Uh, Charles is right. They're a shrinking company. Um, this was purely a hype trade. Uh, I can't really add much more than what Charles says as far as the vaccine news uh, this year. I mean, Inovio went from $3 a share to $30. So we were talking about a 10x move, 1,000% 
over $30 actually. Uh, but since then, uh, since peaking in early July, it's come down you know, more than 60%. So this is the type of stock that if you are um, a day trader, uh, if you're the type of trader that can trade two to three month moves with, with very good precision, uh, sure, you can maybe make a lot of money in this stock, um, or you could have in the rear view. I don't think it'll make the same type of run ahead. Uh, but really, that's not for the uh, the wise or conservative investor. Um, the thing with these types of vaccine stocks is, you know, one, vaccines are not uh, historically that profitable for companies in the long run. So that's why I, I truly think this is just a hype trade. I read the other day the number of jumbo jets that we would need and how they would have to be retrofitted to have uh, cooling systems for one dose of the vaccine, whatever, whoever comes up with it or whatever, multiple companies come up with it, for one dose to be delivered to everybody in the world. And it was, it was insane. Like we just don't have the capacity to do it. So a lot of people are pinning hopes on this vaccine when I think that's kind of uh, ill-advised. But um, you know, I have, I have two practical suggestions on how to play uh, the COVID crisis and how to play the, the search for a vaccine. Uh, one of them would be to take a diversified approach, and that's buying an ETF. So rather than trying to pick one or two of the individual companies or individual stocks that, that may or may not come up with a vaccine, uh, buy an ETF so you have diversified exposure to that, um, that segment of the market without having to try to pick one winner. Uh, so just about exactly one year ago, in, in mid-October of 2019, I gave a, a talk at an investment conference. And I put together a portfolio of 10 long ETFs and five hedges, and uh, those 10 long ETFs were thematic or based on factors that are known to outperform the market. And one of them was based on uh, genomics, which is a subset of the biotech sector. It's based on base, basically focused on DNA solutions, you know, called finding and fixing the root causes of diseases and ailments rather than treating the knockoff effects, which is what pharmaceuticals do. And I wrote a piece on this recently. I hope maybe we can put the um, chart in the show notes. But basically, if you look back, uh, you know, the last four years or so, the healthcare sector, the broader healthcare sector, which is I, I measure by the ETF XLV, V as in Victor, uh, is up about 42% or so in the past four years. Uh, pharmaceuticals, XPH, XPH is the pharmaceutical ETF, absolutely flat over the last four years, zero gains. And then if you look at a, a genomics ETF, the ticker for that, I'll go ahead and give it away, I don't know if I should, but the ticker for that that I recommended last uh, October is ARKG, A-R-K-G. And that's, a, that's an ETF focused on biotech companies that uh, specialize in genomics. And that ETF is up 150% in the past year. Uh, to put that in comparison, the NASDAQ 100 ETF, QQQ, is up 50%. So we're talking about three times the gains. Uh, so that would be one piece of practical advice as far as you know, buying a diversified ETF uh, on the space rather than one or two stocks. The other uh, approach or practical advice I would give you is uh, if you sign up for my Green Zone Fortunes service, uh, very low cost, but I've, I've picked an individual stock within the genomics sector. And the reason I decided to pick this individual stock is not that because it's going itself after a vaccine, although it is doing research on that, but it actually supplies synthetic DNA sequences to all the researchers that are doing vaccine research right now. So rather than picking one stock or one company that's going to come up with a winner, why not invest in a company that is supplying the necessary uh, material and the necessary technology to dozens of university researchers and, and private company researchers and publicly traded researchers that are all trying to find the vaccine at once. That way you don't have to pick the winner, but it's kind of like a picks and shovels play. And do you want to figure out who's going to find the gold or do you want to sell everybody a pick and a shovel? So that would be my second piece of a practical advice. Uh, you can get that pick at uh, Green Zone Fortunes. And uh, we're already up over 100% on that, but I see the stock doubling uh, at least once more, maybe twice more over the next couple of years. So in terms of an OVO, I assume another hard pass for you, Adam? 
Uh, hard pass on Inovio, yes. Yeah, the, the fundamental the, the the fundamentals aren't even there. Return ons are are not great. If uh, we look at at Adams Green Zone uh, Green Zone ratings, it rates a thirty, uh, meaning that yeah, you know it's probably going to underperform the market over the next year. Uh, let me ask you this uh, quick question on on Inovio with, with this with, with the stock the way it is, would this be a potential uh, short possibility for you, Adam? Not necessarily. Uh, it's in a it's in a modest uptrend uh, just since it's well above its its six month uh, go prices and um, it's showing market lagging momentum. But right now it's falling back to its two hundred day moving average. So on a technical level, it may find a bit of support here. So um, I think it's it's something of a dangerous short as well for me. It's just better to pass. Okay, I, I would add something on that. Sure. When when you look at um, when you look at a shorting opportunity, you do have to remember that your risk can be asymmetric. You're, yeah, you have, you know, in theory, infinity downside if the stock rallies, right? And that's normally not something I would con be that concerned about. You can set stop losses or whatnot on a short. But in this particular case, let's say that, you know, COVID vaccine happens and these guys are a big instrumental part of that because there's just so much hype built into this. This is a stock that could really massively pop. And if you're short, you're buried on that. And then good luck getting out. You'd have to cover the short. You could, you could be part of a short squeeze at that point where other people that had also been shorting are all scrambling to get out at the same time. When you get out of a short, it means you have to buy. So you have all of this buying, just, you know, uncontrolled buying, which causes it to, to, to really rally, which is a nightmare if you're short. I mean, that's the, the classic short squeeze. So this is one, um, I'm usually hesitant to buy biotechs, I'm even more hesitant to short them because the possibility of getting squeezed is just too great. That's just not a risk I think anybody should be should be taking unless they have just rock solid detailed research that they can be absolutely confident is 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 going to, to hold up. Uh, for, for for if you're basing your your investment decision on publicly available information that we have, I, I think it's madness to try to short one of these. And that's a good point to make about shorting, especially in the biotech industry. Uh, the third and final company we'll talk about, we'll run through this pretty quickly. Um, this is a pharmaceutical company that develops treatments for therapies like kidney function deficiency, rare blood diseases, immune system disorders. They've got a drug in phase three clinical trials to battle Wilson's disease or Wilson disease, which is actually a rare genetic disorder uh, where excess copper is stored in various body tissue. It's got a three-year annual sales growth rate of 18%, increased its sales in each of the last nine years, including going from 4.1 billion in 2018 to 4.95 billion in 2019. Share price bottomed out at about 75.56 back in March of 2020, climbed 65% since then, topped out around $120 in late May uh, and early June, but then fell back in August and is now starting to push higher uh, again. And the company that uh, we'll, we'll wrap things up with is Alexion Pharmaceuticals Incorporated, trades on the NASDAQ under ALXN. And Charles, I'll throw it to you first. Uh, what do you think about Alexion? You know, it's funny, I, I, I pretty well, you know, dumped the, the first two. If I were going to pick one of these three, I, I, would, I would pick this one. And, and my rationale is these guys tend to have moats in the sense that they, they look for therapies for relatively, uh, I can't say small disease, doesn't make sense, but diseases that affect a relatively small number of people. And why does that matter? That matters because they're not likely to get a lot of competition. If you have sort of an effective monopoly treating a relatively rare disease, 
another company is not going to move in on your territory because it just doesn't make sense. Like they're not going, it, it's, it's, there's, it's not a big enough market to, to justify competition. And so because of that, this, this particular uh, biotech stock does have natural moats that a lot of others might not have. Right. Um, I, I'm, I'm not, this is not a strong buy for me. I, I'm not, you know, backing up the truck. I, I wouldn't do that probably for any biotech. I, my view on any biotech stock is th these are highly speculative. You should make this a smaller than usual sized trade. But if I were going to buy one of the three, this is one I would definitely consider. That's interesting. I mean, I, you know, I know that you, in terms of biotech, you've, you've mentioned that you're kind of very, you're very hesitant about that. So it's interesting to find one that you would maybe make a little smaller investment in a portfolio with, uh, in terms of, of, of trying to add this stock in. I won't say I love it, but I'll say I don't hate it. <laughs> exactly. You, you, you don't hate it more than you don't, than you love it. Exactly. Gotcha. Um, Adam, you know, talk about, uh, talk about Alexion. What are your thoughts here? I'm actually quite bullish on Alexion. I mean, it is more of a traditional pharmaceuticals company. So uh, broadly speaking, I, I more like the genomics uh, sector more than, than uh, traditional pharmaceuticals. But as far as individual stocks go, uh, I see a number of positives for Alexion. So it would be a buy for me. Uh, on a technical perspective, it's been in something of a downtrend uh, for the last five or so years, which is kind of tracing out the, the slow grind lower in the broader uh, pharmaceuticals uh, industry, which you can see in the ETF XPH. Um, so basically, this stock topped out in mid-2015 at around $200 a share. And most recently, it's fallen roughly, I mean, it went below this, but roughly to $100 a share has been kind of its bottoming base. So we're talking about a 50% retracement of that, um, you know, a longer term retracement. But it's been kind of slow and orderly. I mean, it didn't fall off a cliff. Uh, this is a profitable company. So it, it's not like it, it fell off a cliff and is risking going bankrupt or being delisted. It just hasn't been in favor for, for some time. Um, from that bottoming pattern, we're seeing a lot of support at the $100 level. Uh, more recently, over the past you know, 12 months or so, we're seeing what's called a reverse head and shoulders pattern, where basically the stock made a low in late 2019, it made a lower low in uh, 2020 during the corona crash, and then more recently, after bouncing back from that, it's retested its 2019 low um, about a month or so ago, about a month and a half, two months ago, and uh, it held above $100, uh, which is roughly where its 200-day moving averages as well. So there's a convergence of uh, suggestion and factors here that show that this is the bottom, that the bottom is being put in right now in this stock, and that we could get a bullish breakout above that reverse head and shoulders pattern. Um, basically, the levels I'm looking at is a bullish breakout above $125 a share would be a good entry price. The risk to reward ratio, the risk to reward ratio, uh, the potential in this stock is about four and a half to one, meaning that for every $1 uh, you risk losing in this trade, you could potentially earn four and a half dollars. Uh, so the way I get that is if you bought on a breakout of $125 per share, if you put a stop loss at $110 per share, basically meaning if it fell below $110, then you would cut your losses and get out of the trade. That's a $15 stop loss. Uh, and on the upside, I think that you can earn about four and a half to five times that amount uh, if we trade back up to the 190 195 level over the next couple of years. Um, so for me, on a technical basis, uh, Lexion is definitely a buy. Uh, also, on, on a more factor fundamental fundamental base, um, Alexion scores 77 out of 100 on my six-factor model. It gets high scores on momentum, on being a low volatility stock. Uh, even though it's been grinding lower, it's been fairly low volatile. Um, it gets very high scores on quality, 86, 
and on growth, uh, 78 out of 100. So a lot of that's because it is a profitable company. It has double-digit sales growth, double-digit earnings per share growth, has high margins, a very high gross margin in the 80% range. Uh, I think of the net margins about 15, 16%. So this is a company uh, that can make money. And I think that uh, you know, if it has another good couple of years ahead of it, um, you can earn a, a pretty good return on this stock. So Lexion is actually a, definitely a buy for me. And I also like the fact that in terms of, if you look at its price to sales, price to cash flow, price to book, um, it, it's priced even below the industry average, making it, you know, doesn't necessarily suggest that it's an overpriced uh, company at this point. Uh, and its return ons are very solid, especially when I like to compare it to the industry to look at it. I mean, I know it's kind of vast, but you know, you know, all their return ons, return on equity, return on assets, return on investment are all positive. They're not high. They're not, you know, they're not double digits. But if you look at the industry average, we're talking about, you know, a negative 50%, negative 65%, negative 53%. Uh, and, and here's Alexion that actually is turning positive return ons. And, and I like that about a company. It's got about 2.9 million in cash on hand. It's debt is two point or I'm sorry, 2.6, 2.9 billion. Uh, its total debt is 2.6 billion. Um, so it actually has more cash than it does on debt, whether that's convertible notes or, or, or long-term or long-term debts, whatever. Uh, so I, I like the positioning this company's in. Um, I like where it's at. I'd say out of the three, it, it would be a buy for me. Uh, I don't know if I would necessarily, I'm kind of with Charles. I don't know that I would necessarily bring the Brinks truck up to the, to the back door and, and, and offload cash for it. But, um, yeah, and I, and I would agree probably looking at an entry point of 125 when we see a little bit better momentum swing upwards. Um, so I, I, I like Alexion. So to kind of recap uh, in terms of, of the stocks we looked at, Alexion, uh, probably a, a buy uh, in Charles's view, maybe not necessarily a strong buy, but a buy. Uh, Adam and I might be a little more strong on it. Uh, Inovio uh, Pharmaceuticals as well as, uh, uh, as well as Arrowhead Pharmaceuticals are both passes. Uh, for the three of us. So uh, that's our look at uh, a couple of biotech stocks. Uh, tune in next week. We've got much more coming up with the Bull and the Bear podcast. We've got our marijuana market update that we put out every week. Uh, our week ahead comes out uh, on the weekend. Uh, plus, we've got a, a team and I have been discussing some new video options for you on YouTube uh, that we think are going to be pretty exciting and we can't wait to get those things in, into uh, development. If you are listening on or watching on YouTube, Make sure if you haven't clicked the subscribe button at the bottom and then you'll get the little notification bell, make sure you uh, click that and you'll get notified every time we put out a, uh, a new video. If you're listening to us on a podcast channel, whether that's Apple uh, Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, we're now on Amazon, also on Spotify. Again, follow us. Uh, make sure you get notified if that's an option. Leave us a comment or a question, anything like that. Uh, leave us a rating. We'd love to see what you have to think, what you think about uh, the Boulder Bear Podcast. If you do have a particular stock or uh, maybe a sector you'd like uh, the three of us to take a look at, do so by emailing us at thebullandthebear at moneymarkets.com, and we would love to, uh, to see what you, what you have to say. So that's about all we have for this week. Uh, certainly appreciate the time you guys took to, uh, to, listen, to our, uh, listen to our video, listen to the podcast. And uh, for uh, Money Markets contributor Charles Sizemore and uh, Money Markets chief investment strategist Adam O'Dell, I am Matt Clark, host of The Bull and the Bear and research analyst for Money Markets. And until next time, everyone, safe trading. You've been listening to The Bull and the Bear, a money and markets podcast. Tune in each week to hear insights on how to make investing safe and profitable for you. 